Welcome to Books from the Basement. You're here with me, Amy Tharakin, and Lisa Burkett. Hello. Hello, hello. Haven't said our hello. last names for a while. I know. Came right out of my mouth. I don't know. Yeah, it used to be every time. Then we got all casual. Casual season. Casual season two, season. the casual season. <laughs> we'll have themes for every right. season. Right. Yeah. Season one was the frustration season. <laughs> yeah. And part of it is casual because we are reading a nice lighthearted series, which is Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. And we are currently going to tackle the first part of Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's Magic today. That one was written in 1949 by Betty McDonald. Hope you enjoyed the Thanksgiving bonus episode last time. That was fun recording that one. It was. And now it's December. Right. Crazy. It is. It's like 85 degrees here today. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very windy yesterday uh, and today. That howling wind. I don't know what it is about wind. It's very unnerving mm-hmm. to me to have that kind of a wind that just makes that howling noise. Do you think it's the trees or the edges of the buildings? I wonder what makes it howl. I don't know. I don't understand meteorology. <laughs> <laughs> me either. And I could read about it and I still wouldn't. Yeah. Maybe it has to do with the windows and the maybe doors. Like, maybe there's they're not sealed yeah, you know, 100%. Like a- so there's whatever that little crack is it's getting in there yeah something with pressure by george i think we solved it yeah (laughs) maybe one of your physics kids would know and everybody's home right now so i can ask can ask and report back on what causes the wind to howl (laughs) i'm sure i could look it up i'll write a note wind howling do we have any follow-ups or any any are we call it what are we calling it we're continuing to call it dusting follow-ups and corrections. Okay. It just feels right. I tried opening remarks that felt weird. You know, it's just a, kind of a throwback to Trixie. And then we discussed that in all the kind family, they'll be dusting. And I'm right. sure Betsy Tacy has dusting in it. I'm sure. It's just kind of a nice, fun little thing that covers everything I need to do. Did you see on our Facebook group that we got another suggestion for a book series? I did. And I had never heard of it. Yeah, me either. But I love to have people telling us what they are interested in and what their favorite series were and that kind of thing. So do you remember the name of it? Started with a C. That's all I remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything I feel like it's a family it. name, like the Keldon Chords. Okay. <laughs> somebody we'll look it up we'll check out the books thank you for the suggestion we'll get back to you it was something where i was completely unfamiliar with yeah me too which is interesting because we've done so much research on old books and most of the books that we've talked about one of us has known pretty well either through growing up or your kids or aaron you know where we knew they read them or we read Mm -hmm. them to them I actually just made a puzzle, which I'm going to send to you, of children's books. Did I give you the cookbook one? No. Or the book one? No. No? It's just a bunch of book covers. Yeah, I like those. And this one had Pat the Bunny, Cat in the Hat, just children's books. Yeah. But Um, I would like to point out that neither Steffi nor Toodle were on there. mm. That was a little upsetting. No appreciation for Mm -mm. 
Gertrude. Gertrude. I knew it was the long G name that was old and it was just not coming to me. Didn't make the cut for the puzzle, huh? It didn't. So anyway, I'm going to mail it to you. Cool. Yay. Mm-hmm. I was going to surprise you with it, but I was afraid <laughs> that either you were going to buy it for me or you already had it. Mm. One of the pieces is chewed up, but it came that way because I bought it used. Oh, okay. Which I'm loving this buying used puzzles on yeah. Facebook Marketplace. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that market existed. Yes. So it's nice because typically, you know, you only make one once and you can get them for seven bucks instead of 15 or whatever. And if the pieces are all there, what difference does it make? Yeah, for sure. So I made that over the last few days and it was fun. It was a fun puzzle. I had to have Leighton turn the pieces over for me because I don't have the dexterity. Right. Without my thumbs. I do have thumbs, people. I know I say I don't have thumbs. It's that my joints were removed and restructured, which didn't go as planned. And so I don't have what your thumb joint would do. Right. So in that sense, I don't have usable thumbs, I should say. <laughs> there I there. do have thumbs attached. She does not have paws. <laughs> Okay, so do you have any dusting okay. follow-ups? I do. Corrections. I do. First of all, a correction from my sister, Linda, who informed me that it is not Myrtle the turtle, it's Yertle the turtle. Oh. Which right away I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> right. So it's the only Yertle the turtle book, Yertle the turtle and other stories. I have and that it one is too. by Dr. Seuss, written in 1958. It is considered a modern fable. The three stories in the book are Yertle the Turtle, which is about greed, Gertrude McFuzz, which is about vanity, and The Big Brag, which is about pride. Gertrude McFuzz, when I saw the illustrations, I was like, oh yeah, I totally remember this because it's about a bird with like peacock feathers and it's vanity because she wants them to grow more and more and more. Hey, I remember that one. The big brag. Don't remember it all, but that one was about pride. So that was my correction. Thank you, Linda. I'm sure there were other people yelling out Yertle's name. (laughs) (laughs) Yertle! But we've got it put together. Didn't that we come across that because we were saying the the name Myrtle wasn't used very often because one of the kids was named Myrtle. Maybe. And then you asked if there was a Myrtle the Turtle book, and then that's how we got there. Doesn't matter. We got there, and now you have an answer. Buy me a coffee, Diane has given us three cups, which is very, very generous. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. We appreciate it. That was your fireworks, Diane. Hope you liked them. If you want to be like Diane and help us keep our podcast ad-free, you can go to buymeacopy.com slash booksbasement and throw us a few bucks by buying us a cup of coffee. A pseudo book. Yeah. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. I did pin the link on our Facebook page, our regular page. Also, I just want to say it's really helpful. We've been at 35 ratings for, I think, five months. So if we could just five, let's get it up to 40. Let's (laughs) have a goal. I think when you make a goal, sometimes people are more likely to react. 
That's true. Yeah. Who will be those five reviewers? Right. And I forgot to announce, well, I think it was when we were on hiatus that we did make the Australian charts, which we haven't been on any chart for probably a good eight months. Interesting. <laughs> so. That's interesting that we were kind of more at the beginning and then it yeah. kind of tapered off. And now we've switched over to comedy. That's our top oh. one is comedy. And then underneath that is books. So I don't know how that's going to change things, if it will or not. I think we're better suited to be under comedy. For sure. Email is booksfromthebasementpc at gmail.com. That's all I have for right now. All right. So, oh, I have one more thing. So this came up when we did our Halloween episode. Mm Mm-hmm. It's about a haunted place that I want to go to. I would like to add this to, it could be either our Eastern tour. Eastern seaboard. It's not on the seaboard though. It's in West Virginia. I think we could swing it on the East Coast one. It'd be quite a drive out of the way. Maybe we can find other places in Ohio or Indiana or something. And then we could have a Mid-East Central (laughs) (laughs) tour. So this is called the Weston State Hospital, formerly the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Ooh, that's not cutting any corners. (laughs) Put it out there. (laughs) Okay, so this hospital, it's one of the Kirkbride hospitals. It's kind of like what you would picture a 1900s insane (laughs) to look like. Sorry, Lunatic (laughs) Asylum. It was closed as a hospital in 1994. It was designed to treat 250 patients. In 1950, it was at 2,600. So, yeah. (laughs) How can that even be possible? They just jam them in. I mean, if you figure you have a room for one patient and now you have five patients in it, just beds crammed in, I guess. Well, we can find out when we go on a tour because... I went on the website and I found this information. So these are our options. So it says the asylum has had apparition sightings, unexplainable voices and sounds and other paranormal activity reported in the past by guests, staff, sci-fi's ghost hunters, ghost hunters Academy, the travel channels, ghost adventures and paranormal challenge. Hmm. Step back in time and see how the mentally insane lived and died within these walls. (laughs) Thousands have been committed to the asylum over the years and hundreds unfortunately died here. Decide for yourself if they're still occupying the historic wards and treatment rooms. Hmm. Okay, so one of the options is the ghost hunt of the main building. This is an eight hour tour. What? (laughs) (laughs) I might hang back at the hotel for that one. If that's the one you choose. It's an overnight. Oh, well, you didn't ever thought about spending the night in a haunted lunatic asylum. Our ghost hunts last from 9 PM to 5 AM. It excludes October hunts, which I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with Halloween. After everyone is registered and divided into groups, guides will assist you in your exploration of this massive gothic asylum. (laughs) After a brief paranormal tour, you may either hunt alone or with our experienced ghost hunting guides. Our guides are here to ensure that you have a positive and safe evening. Make sure to bring your camera, digital recorder, EMF meter, etc. That one's $100 a person. 
Okay. And then, then you, are you supposed to kind of like walk around all night listening? Or yes. You, oh, you don't sleep there. You're just I don't hunting. think there's any sleeping going okay. on. I think okay. you're just okay. wandering mm-hmm. by yourself or you can have a guide. Right. Okay. And it's, I'm assuming, very dark. I'm thinking you have a flashlight and maybe they have some low lighting or something. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first one. That one requires a reservation. So we're going to have to think in advance. The second one is another ghost hunt, but this one is medical forensics and geriatrics buildings. Okay. Another eight hour. Have you been curious about the possible paranormal activity in the other buildings at the facility? I wonder if that's like a prerequisite, the first one. (laughs) You can't go to the second one. Due to popular demand, we are having an investigation of the medical center, the forensics, and the geriatrics buildings. The investigation time will be divided to ensure each group has time in each of the three buildings. This hunt will last from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. Please arrive no later than 8.30 p.m. for registration. (laughs) Again, make sure to bring your camera and these other types of paranormal equipment. Also 100 Now, we get the eight-hour private ghost hunt. Hmm. Belong to an experienced ghost hunting group or just want the building for yourselves? Spend the night roaming the building undisturbed by other investigators. Bring all the equipment that you have and investigate your favorite hotspots. Your asylum check-in time is 9 p.m. and you will be released at 5 a.m. the following morning. Hmm. That one's $150 with a minimum of 10 people. It's like bring your private group, not so much like, you know, me and you renting that. Nope, we got to find eight other people. (laughs) Maybe there'll be eight listeners in West Virginia that would like to do this with us. Ah. Okay. Experienced ghost hunters can either provide their own insurance, which must state additional insured Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum and Joe Jordan, or we can provide insurance for just $250. I guess, is that insurance in case a ghost attacks you or you fall down the stairs? Yeah, that's a good question. Okay, then here we get the two-hour paranormal tour. These tours last approximately two hours, 10.30 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. This is a guided tour. That's all capitalized and bold. I'm assuming they've had people show up for this tour who just want to wander on their own. Mm, Right. It's a guided tour of the four hottest spots in this 242,000 square foot asylum. That's big. That one's only $40. And then they have a daytime paranormal tours for the wimpy people. Mm-hmm. And that's 90 minutes. Same, same tour as the one in the middle of the night. And then they have a 30 minute flashlight tour. What is that's that? just the medical. Well, you must run because. <laughs> <laughs> 30 minutes and it says we offer flashlight tours of the historic Kirkbride building and the medical center flashlight tours are 30 minutes half historic and half paranormal tours wow that's you get fast. 15 minutes each yeah <laughs> that's a quick one either they have a tram or you're running from building to building i don't know where are your sneakers I would like to do the eight hour overnight at the medical forensics and geriatric buildings. (laughs) That would be my first pick. But if that other one's a prerequisite, we're going to have to stay there for two days and do both. Hmm. 
I have yet to weigh in on whether or not I'm <laughs> You're going. If I, I have to go see the Cahokia Indian Mounds, <laughs> you're going to this. Here's a picture. Oh, that looks pretty cool. I know. It just looks like, oh, I'm so excited. It's the little things. I'm putting that on the tour. Just take some Xanax and you'll be fine. <laughs> it just sounds like a long time to be there. <laughs> There's a lot to see. You can't just see it in 30 minutes. I don't know. That's crazy. Maybe you could see it in two hours. Well, I don't believe in ghosts. So I would just feel free to go anywhere unless Mm. they're pretending it's haunted, which I think would be horrible for their credibility. Right. I mean, they're inviting in like real ghost hunters. Yeah. That's who's going to be there. I would just be all over that place. I'd have to run for eight hours just to see everything <laughs> that I want to see. All right. Well, think about it. You I will. Know. You can put it on there. We'll see if it, we're It is on. There. It's already on there. If we come near West Virginia. Well, I'd like to shoot over to Gettysburg, too. And that's mm. in Pennsylvania. Maybe we could do that at night. Ooh, spooky. Yeah, they might have a night tour. Okay. Now on to Mrs. Piggle. <laughs> the purpose of the podcast. For now, I mean, it's all about the podcast. I mean, it's all intertwined. It is. It's just us. It's basically us having conversations, and you guys just get to listen. Whew. Okay, we're starting Mrs. Pigglewiggle's Magic, and Chapter One is just called Mrs. Pigglewiggle's Magic. It is, and it is just an introduction chapter. It starts talking about these characters that we've had in the past that were cured of something yet doesn't mention at this point in the book what they were cured of that is true just kind of jumps in with molly o'toole and she ate a candy cane while reading a book a dictionary (laughs) stuck the pages together mrs piggle helped her steam them apart and she wasn't upset then dickie williams showing off for patsy crashes through the basement window in his wagon and that makes Mrs. Piggle Wiggle laugh and she just puts the window back together. <laughs> yeah, and she happened to have an extra pane of glass right yes. leaning up against the wall over there. Sure. She's wiping her eyes with her apron. She's laughing so hard. Okay, then we have a new character, Marilyn Matson. I don't think we've met her before. And she broke a teapot that apparently Mrs. Pigglewiggle has hated for 15 years. So basically, she's just fine with kids doing anything to her house. She didn't get mad at anyone. No, that's kind of the point of the whole chapter, huh? Mm -hmm. To show all the different things kids would do and get in trouble for at home. But when they do it there, they don't get criticized and put down and spanked. No, uh uh-uh. My favorite one, I think, was Susan Gray with the cookies. (laughs) She she makes cookies, and they're described as tannish gray lumps. Mrs. Pigglewiggle's response was, why, Susan Gray, you're smart girl, eight years old and already making cookies. You're going to make somebody a very fine wife. (laughs) Yeah, somebody with good teeth, said Hubert Prentice. We know Hubert. He's a star who had taken one of the gray lumps and had found that trying to eat it was like biting on a stone. Mrs. Mm -hmm. Pigglewiggle took the cookie away from him and said, oh, Hubert, these are special cookies. You dip them in hot tea and then take a bite. 
they I'm sure tasted horrible. It says they tasted <laughs> like glue because Susan had putting gravy coloring instead of vanilla. What is gravy coloring? I don't know. <laughs> it must resemble vanilla. Tastes, yeah. And it tastes like glue. So I don't know. Julie knits a scarf that's about 10 yards long and two inches wide. And then it's worn as a sash mm-hmm. instead, which Julie says, I was thinking that too. She likes to listen to people tell their dreams, which is a, a nice trait because uh, mm-hmm. kids do ramble on. Susan Gray dreamed that her dolls all came alive, which terrifies me. Hmm. I can go to a lunatic asylum in the middle of the night for eight hours, but I swear to God, seeing a movie where dolls come to life. I don't like them. Would scare me. Nick's on that. <laughs> I'll make sure there aren't any at the lunatic asylum. Thank you. No dolls. Drowsy won't be there. That's it. That's the whole first chapter is just all about how patient Mrs. Piggle is and how well she gets along with the children and makes them feel good about themselves. There was a little clue about Mr. Pigglewiggle. It said he was a pirate, and when he died, he buried his treasure in the backyard, which is interesting. After- on his diet, like he knew he was dying. <laughs> You've got two days to live, Mr. Pigglewiggle. Oh, time to bury the treasure. When he died. That doesn't really make sense at all. Because no. it's either before he died, or it couldn't be after he died, unless you believed in ghosts. See, it's all tying back into Mrs. Pigglewiggle. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, huh. When he died means that he's dead before he did it, right? Right. Or did it simultaneously oh, in the act? He died of- while. He died while. <laughs> he was treasure. digging a hole and dropped dead. Yeah, it's no, that doesn't really. It's a strange way to say it. It is a strange way to say it. We do know that in this book, we are going to see more magic because it ends with she has a big cupboard full of magic powders and pills and appliances to help cure children's (laughs) bad habits. And in the last book, there was a little magical, but not so much with the powders and the right, right. And I'm curious about the appliances. That seems (laughs) a little that seems interesting to me what that would look like. Yes. Okay. well, let's find out. Yeah, let's keep going to the first cure, which is chapter two, and it is the Thought You Setters Cure. And in this chapter, we have the Burbanks, Darcy, Allison, and Bard. And Darcy is nine, Allison is seven, and Bard is six. The parents are Mary and Bernard. We got names for these people, so I thought it was important to point it out. Right. Their misbehavior is deliberately misinterpreting others as a joke. They think it's hilarious to pretend like they don't hear what you said. Mrs. Pigglewiggle's cure employed is a small powder that makes hearing super sensitive when sprinkled in the ear. There's an example that says makes turning on a light switch sound like a gunshot or a water faucet like Niagara Falls. I have something to say about their names. Darcy was Betty McDonald's father's name. Allison was one of her sister's names. Bard was her maiden name. Oh, really? So she's really taking these names from her family in these books. 
And Mary was her like beloved older sister who reminds me of like you and Lori's relationship, like always up to something and bossed her around (laughs) and (laughs) got her in trouble and, you know, that kind of thing. And Mary, she uses as Mary Burbank, but also that was Mary Molly O'Toole. Right. Mary. Okay. So we have these kids that think it's hilarious to pretend they don't hear right. And And I did not find it hilarious. I found it really (laughs) annoying. Some of it they must have misunderstood. I think it got to be where they started to pretend. But the very first time it happens, the sugar bowl runs out of sugar. And Mrs. Burbank says, Darcy, run out to the kitchen and fill the sugar bowl, dear. The sugar's in the big red can. He literally went and made cinnamon rolls because instead of fill the sugar bowl, he thought she said, get the cinnamon roll. I mean, he wouldn't have gone and made cinnamon rolls if it was all pretend, right? It doesn't say he made them. It just said after a long, long time, he came back with cinnamon rolls. True. He's nine. Really, did he make homemade cinnamon rolls? (laughs) That's what I was Maybe he was just having a problem finding them because that's not what she meant. Mm, Oh, yes, that is true. Perhaps there were cinnamon rolls. All of a sudden, it sounds like this showed up, just like all the other kids that have these horrible behaviors that just all of a sudden show up. And the thing about this was, I think... It could have been cute if it wasn't every single thing the parents said. Right. It would be cute if your kid did it once in a while and because they actually heard it wrong. Right. Yes. In this situation, they're just trying to make it into a funny joke that's not super funny. And the parents don't think it's funny. All right. So Mr. Burbank's walking them to school and they call out for Marilyn. Then Darcy comes back and says, Marilyn's mother said Marilyn fell in the toaster and is burnt up dead. And then Allison says, she said Marilyn fell in her coaster and hurt her head. Well, that's so now because she didn't fall in her coaster. No. I think that's a mistake. I think it was on her like coaster. Off, fell off. I off. think a coaster is like Oh, yeah, because here it's off. Okay. Yeah. And then Mr. Burbank does not think this is funny. He examines Darcy's ears to see, I guess, if they're clean or not, or if he has Mm -hmm. some sort of infection. Mm -hmm. And then when he gets to the office, he calls Mary and asks if the kids have had scarlet fever, which apparently can settle into the ears. For a beat, I thought Mr. Burbank was going to take care of this problem since he seemed so involved to this point. But then he just says he's irritated. And then Mrs. Burbank says, don't worry, dear, I'll take care of it. (laughs) Not a father's job. He's got to work at the bank or wherever he is. I don't know. For about eight paragraphs, I thought maybe this was going to be different. (laughs) But no, it is still 1949. So then Mrs. Burbank calls Marilyn's mother to check on Marilyn to see if how hurt she was and tells her about her children, the thought use setters. And Marilyn's mother is concerned that Marilyn might have the same thing because she's been doing it all morning. And she thought it was from the blow on her head that she got when she fell off her coaster. So when she asked if Marilyn was badly hurt, Marilyn's mother said Marilyn was just fine, but the doctor thought she should be quiet for a day or two. I was like, finally, a good concussion prescription. Yes. And it sounds like she actually called the doctor. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Which would be the number one thing. 
Your child falls off a coaster. The teenage embryo doctor down the street did not come in, (laughs) examine her, and proclaim her. (laughs) No. Brian. Where's Brian? Right. And you need a concussion assessment. So then Mrs. Burbank calls Mrs. Teagle to see if Terry or Teresa are thought you setters. Mrs. Teagle says... Very annoying words. (laughs) (laughs) She thinks that... Maybe they can't understand her or Mr. Burbank. Um, (laughs) But these people clearly can't speak English. So I'm not sure what that was about. I did not read what she said. So, well, I'll sum it up if you want to know. Okay. Without speaking the way she does. She says that their children pronounce every vowel and every consonant in every word. And that she holds little speech classes every afternoon and offers for Mr. and Mrs. Burbank to attend. But Mrs. Burbank just kind of says, we'll do it on our own. Thanks, though. And And she does try it. Yes, she does try it at dinner and it does not go over well or work. So that's it. (laughs) And then the next day, the dad's looking for his briefcase and they're just being so annoying and he's going to miss the bus and they just find it funny. And it's not that they misunderstood. They just think they're funny now. No, I think that it wasn't this whole time, except for maybe the cinnamon roll sugar bowl one. Right. That one, it could be like, okay, those are two things you get in the kitchen. But then it just starts getting kind of silly. Mm -hmm. They don't make sense what they say they think happened. Right. All right. Now they already are calling it thought you said itis. (laughs) Before they even talk to Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle actually calls Mrs. Burbank instead of the other way around. I know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Mrs. Pigglewiggle tells her that there's a regular epidemic of thotusitis all over town. But she has a magic powder that you sprinkle in the children's ears and it will make their hearing so keen that they'll be able to hear spiders stamping across the floor, leaves crashing to the ground, flowers snapping open their petals and fireflies striking the matches that light their lanterns. You. Yeah, why would you want that for your kids? Yeah. The children stop by after school and bring this package of powder from Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. And Mrs. Burbank felt the powder and smelled it. It felt like talcum powder and it smelled like ginger. Hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Burbank decide to try it out. Mr. Burbank puts a pinch in his ear and immediately... He thinks the radio is trying to kill him. It's so loud. Yeah. Then he tells his wife, you certainly must be getting fat because you sound like a coal truck when you walk. Luckily, Mrs. Burbank was very slight. So I guess she didn't think that that was mean. (laughs) (laughs) She had been overweight at all. That would not have gone over well. The thing I found so interesting is they go on and on and on about how painful this is, how terrible it is. And then they immediately go and put it in their kid's ear. (laughs) But not as much. I wrote, why would you do this to your children? Desperate times call for desperate measures, Lisa. I guess they deserve for their hearing to be painful after all the annoyance that they've put everyone through. They put it in all of the kids' ears. and. They get up and they start getting ready for school and it's just a nightmare. 
Interestingly enough, Darcy hears a sound that sounds like sawing when he wakes up and says, do you think it's a buzz bomb? Which I looked that up. Did you know what that it was? No. It is um, an unguided jet propelled missile used by the Germans (laughs) against England in World War II. And what was it? It was actually a small fly buzzing in the corner of a window. Okay. They're still trying to do this little cute thing, but... They're distracted by how loud everything is. And then they start getting confused about it. I think they're just so in pain. that <laughs> They just <laughs> decide that this it's too much trouble to be a thought you setter. Yeah, it's not funny. The kids put on their coats to go to school. Then they come back crying, saying the leaves are so loud they can't stand it. Sounds like thousands of houses burning up. And then Mrs. Burbank says, well, Bernard, I think we better wash out their ears and we'll give Mrs. Piggle Wiggle our heartiest thanks. And then Mr. Burbank says, what's she done wrong? And she's like, what are you talking about? And he said, I thought you said, go give Mrs. Piggle Wiggle your hardest spanks. And then the children look disgusted, which I thought was an amusing way to wrap up the chapter. Yeah. Although it is talking about spanking once again. <laughs> <laughs> I just put joke question mark and then I wrote I'm confused because I didn't really understand. Like, did he really hear it wrong or is he trying to make a joke? It's just right clear to me. Yeah, I read it as he really got it wrong. Yeah. It was just more so. funny, more funny the way that Betty McDonald wrote it in to wrap yes, up the chapter. In that case, I like it. If it was that he was just doing that then now, then I wouldn't think it was funny. Right. I get that. Okay. That's it for that chapter. Let's move on to the next one, which is the Tattletale Cure. Oh, this is one of my all-time favorites. Okay, so we have Wendy Hamilton, who's nine, and Timmy Hamilton, who's seven. And they've been tattling. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's cure is that she has pills which convert tattletales into puffs of smoke with tails. Again, is this something that's been going on or is this something that just started? I think it's something that's been going on. I think it is in this one. Yes. Okay. Wendy's got a problem because everyone at school hates her. And Timmy informs the mother that it's because she's a tattletale. Mm -hmm. And it's true. She does. She tells Miss Worthington every time anybody whispers or cheats or writes notes. I even told her when Ginny Merton sucked his paintbrush today, which first of all, I wrote, was it lead paint? Because I was a little concerned <laughs> and just about you. that. Yeah, and you. I remember kids eating paste, though. Do you remember that? In like kindergarten, kids would eat the paste. I don't remember it. I remember hearing of it, but I don't actually have a memory of seeing anyone do it. So it seems like Timmy is just as much of a tattletale as his sister. They seem to go back and forth, at least at home. Yes. Doesn't seem like he maybe has that problem at school at this point anyway. Mrs. Hamilton says that they're both so disagreeable. She's sorry they came home from school and spoiled her nice, peaceful afternoon, which I thought sounded a little mean. 
I experienced this a lot, actually, with my kids. They'd be at school. I would actually miss them. I would be, like, really excited to pick them up from school and think, we're going to go home and play. And they'd get in the car, and they would start arguing with each other, and I would just lose that whole mood and be like, oh, my gosh, I was looking – how was I so looking forward to this? And now uh, I don't even want to be around you guys. She got out cocoa and apples and sugar cookies, and she was all ready for them to – I'm not saying that she shouldn't feel that way. I'm saying she shouldn't tell her children that to their faces. (laughs) I see. I don't have a problem with her thinking it. That's when you're a parent, you don't actually say what you're thinking. (laughs) Because your child will be in therapy 10 years later talking about how that completely destroyed their self-confidence as a child. I went off on a little tangent that got me to do a little research. So Timmy always calls Wendy dog eyes. And Wendy says, mother, he calls me dog eyes all the time. He says that only dogs have brown eyes. I actually looked that up. I mean, obviously, I know people have brown eyes, but but I wanted to see the breakdown. And actually, people with brown eyes make up 70 to 80 percent of the population of the world, I guess. Blue eyes are 10 percent. Hazel are 5 percent. Amber are 5 percent. Gray are 3 percent. Green are 2 percent. And red or violet are less than 1 percent. I thought that was Mm. interesting. Because I have hazel eyes, but I don't think they're anything unique or special. Well, and I think brown eyes is the most common because I don't know if it is in the United States, but Mm. if you think about Asia and South America, there's a lot more brown eyes around the world than the other colors. Yep. The other colors seem to be more Scandinavian, European based. Mm-hmm. So that does make sense. I also know of those statistics because, as you know, I'm always looking for new eye colors for my book characters. Right. I think everyone but, in my family had this kind of same color as mine. Also. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I always thought your eyes were green, so I must have been seeing you on your green days. <laughs> if I wear something green, they really look green, but I yeah. think they're hazel. They have the yeah. little, um, ha- like a halo of gold yeah. in the middle, which I think is what makes it hazel. So I always thought yours were green. Green, maybe why. they are. I don't know what makes. No, they're probably. I'm sure they're hazel. I probably just. <laughs> and I am doubting myself. <laughs> what color my eyes are? <laughs> I don't have a problem because mine are so dark. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Wendy's supposed to be practicing piano, and Timmy is supposed to be down in the basement putting away <laughs> Daddy's tools. Okay. But. Then Wendy comes and tattles that he's not doing that. He's just sitting on the basement stairs. Yeah. Let's see. I wrote neglect here for some reason. (laughs) So Wendy says to her mother, if I don't see that Timmy does his work, who's going to? You just sit up here and sew with the door closed. (laughs) I thought that seemed a little neglectful. Uh Although I understand why she wants to get away. (laughs) Her mom has a snappy comeback to that. And I need your help, Wendy. I'll ask for it. Now go downstairs and finish practicing. And again, Mrs. Pigglewiggle calls Mrs. Hamilton. Yeah, it's so strange. I wonder why that changed. So just the parents didn't even really seem to know Mrs. Pigglewiggle on a no. you know friendly basis at all. They had just heard of her. No, she just finds out about a problem and just starts calling people, I guess. 
Mrs. Pigglewiggle is calling for other reasons. She called in the first chapter to invite them to tea. And this right. time she's just baked some gingerbread. But usually the kids just go to her house. She doesn't call and say, can you send your children over? Yeah. The only time she really ever contacts the parents is if she wants them to stop by and pick something up or that she's going to send something home with the kids. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And Molly O'Toole is making tea and Kitty Wheeling is setting the table. And we know Molly and Kitty from the first book. They've just baked gingerbread. You had gingerbread baked in your home this Mm, week, right? Yes, I still have some in the fridge. It's so good. If only I had some spray whipped cream to go on top. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write that on my grocery list (laughs) right now. Okay. Uh, Where were we? Oh, gingerbread. (laughs) Love it. Okay, so then Mrs. Hamilton tells her about the tattling that's going on. And Mrs. Pigglewiggle says, Tattletale-itis is certainly a common ailment among children. So now that she's normalized it for Mrs. Hamilton. She's kind of insightful. And she says, I know that tattletales are really unhappy children. It was kind of insightful. Yeah. I think they're neglected and want attention, which is explained by the fact that Mrs. Hamilton sits up in her sewing room with the door closed (laughs) to get away from them. And also tells her children that she wishes they hadn't come home from school. So maybe they are unhappy and they're tattling to get attention. I would say very possible. The tattletale cure is medicine that Molly O'Toole is going to bring on by. And it's pills that look and taste just like licorice drops. Mm. Mm. A lot of kids don't like licorice. So I guess she's lucky. I know. Yeah. I never, the black jelly beans, my Mm -hmm. dad loved them. And oh, I I, love licorice. I only like black licorice. I'm not a fan of the red. I mean, licorice is actually like a fennel kind of anise kind of a plant. And I don't think that's what they put in red licorice. I don't think. No, it's cherry flavored. There's some sort of fruit flavoring to it. Mm hmm. Anise is one of the smells that Cricket uses for set training. It's cloves, birch, and anise. Hmm. Maybe when she comes home from class tonight, she'll tell you all about it. Okay. Molly O'Toole shows up all frosted with snow and starry-eyed from eating hot gingerbread. I love that description. Yeah. It just it's, it was a it's a cold, snowy day to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I can just picture her. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it's winter now. <laughs> so everything is snowy, snowy, snowy. But it just made it cozy. I yeah. Thought. Not the that way, way that I experienced winter well, <laughs> in reality. It's not reality. <laughs> it's reality for about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Right. And then you realize you're in your house with the heat on and you still can't get warm. <laughs> All right. So here's the cure. It's a small black box marked cure for tattletaleitis on it. And inside the box was a small black bottle. And inside the bottle were four black pills. Mm-hmm. And somehow or other, just seeing the box marked cure for tattletaleitis made her feel better. I do have something highlighted here. Mrs. Hamilton closed her ears and thought of the little black pills. But Mr. Hamilton finally gave Wendy and Timmy each a spanking and told them that they could tattle to each other about him. Mm. Just before they went to sleep and when they had stopped crying sufficiently so that she was sure they wouldn't choke, Mrs. Hamilton gave them each one of the licorice drops. 
that's sad. They obviously were very injured, both physically and mentally, by being spanked. Yeah. And if they're crying that much, that she has to wait just for them to stop a sob and shove the licorice drop in. Okay. The next morning, they're not doing well. There's a blizzard blizzing. (laughs) I have that highlighted because I don't (laughs) think blizzing is a verb. No, I don't think so. I don't know what you would say. There's a blizzard outside. (laughs) Self-descriptive. Yeah. Okay. So Mrs. Hamilton is surprised when Timmy comes down. She found that he had on his pajamas. And not only that, but under his pajamas, he had on his underwear. What is that about? This actually caused me to Google, do you wear underwear under your pajamas? Because I just do, and I've never, ever even considered not. And it turns out that the majority of people don't wear their underwear. I wrote long underwear with a question mark because I thought maybe he was wearing long underwear. Yeah. Like I do under my pajamas. (laughs) Then I was like, what's wrong with that? There's a blizzard blizzing. (laughs) You're going to want your long underwear. She wonders if the strange outfits her children had put on had anything to do with the magic pills. Mm. Do you think it was because of the pills? I didn't think so. Why do you think they're dressed like that? I think they're just like being doofusy kids. Really? Yeah, I didn't think that at all. I was like, oh, she wondered that, but she was wrong. It doesn't really tell us. They make it sound <laughs> like it's not normal. It just seems like that's another issue for Mrs. Wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Okay. So they're starting to tattle. And Wendy, all she gets out of her mouth is Mother Timmy. Instead of the long tattletale she intended, out of Wendy's mouth came a big puff of black smoke. The puff of smoke was shaped like a little black cloud, except that hanging from the bottom of it were four little black tattletales. Hmm. I do like that. I thought that was cute. Yeah. Okay. And then Timmy tries the same thing and he gets a tattletale coming out of his mouth. His was kind of clever. He was intending to say, same mother, I bet old Wendy's been, and he intends to say smoking. <laughs> yeah. Smoking <laughs> But instead, a puff of black cloud with one tail hanging from it because he had only intended to tattle about one thing. They're bemiffed. (laughs) (laughs) They're confounded by why the smoke is coming out because they don't know the licorice were a Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's cure. Yeah, I wonder what they told them. You're you're ready for bed. You've been crying. You've been spanked. Here. Have (laughs) Have a licorice. Have a licorice No, you don't like licorice? Take it anyway. (laughs) Then they go out to shovel the walk. They start to tattle and then the smoke comes out again. And now Wendy's worried about what would happen if (laughs) that happened at school. Mm. And there's kids around to see it. And Timmy says, boy, the kids would sure be surprised. I can just hear old Miss Harkness. She'd say, Timothy Hamilton, you have been smoking. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's nine years old. Yeah, no, he's seven years old. <laughs> Wendy's nine. So this whole thing that people are smoking is a little strange. Is but a little strange. again, probably a joke that I didn't get. Yeah. I'm taking these way too literally. Right. Okay. Well, Wendy's more afraid that the children will laugh. I don't think Timmy's as afraid. I think he thinks it'd be kind of funny. If the teacher thought it was smoking, but who knows? 
Oh, and then we have the first sign of hope because she actually was like, here, these are your galoshes. I can tell. They're a teensy bit littler than mine. Yeah. The tide is turning. Yeah. Then they build a snowman. Very typical. Did you make a lot of snowmen? Yes. Yeah, we did too. We did the traditional coal. I never really thought that there could be another way. (laughs) Like creativity did not strike me in the snowman department. But yeah, yeah, we just did the sticks for the arms and then the carrot nose and Mm -hmm. a scarf. And either there wasn't a hat or it was just like a regular winter hat. We didn't have a proper frosty hat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's see. Wendy threatens to have Molly, Dick, Hubert, and Patsy come over so they can see what a tattletale Timmy is. They try to get away from these puffs of smoke, but they seem to follow them wherever they go. I know. Timmy took his shovel and tried to bat it away. (laughs) We get the dog eyes again, and these tattletales are all over the place. And then finally, Wendy, before she speaks, she suddenly remembers the ugly black tattletales, and she swallows her tattling. And the tattletale went back down her throat. And one of the other ones that was hanging over her went away. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Figuring out this magic spell. <laughs> so for every tattletale they don't tell, they swallow it. And then one of the ones they've already told disappear. Yeah. That's how you get rid of them. And by the time Mr. Hamilton gets home, there's only two left. The one with the four tails and the biggest one with one tail. Where's he been all day? It's Saturday and a blizzard. I don't know. He's got golf clubs that he's using to poke the smoke. Maybe he was golfing. (laughs) (laughs) I just happen to have these golf clubs. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't really say. Probably he wanted to leave the house so he didn't have to deal with the cure. Probably. Maybe he works on Saturdays. We don't know. We don't know what he does for a living. They don't tell us. We don't. We do find out his first name is Charles. Then Mrs. Hamilton, again at night, gives them the last of the pills, even though she didn't really feel it was necessary. Mm-hmm. I guess it wasn't. <laughs> they seem to be over it. Well, it's interesting that the clouds didn't follow them up to their room. They just hung out yeah, in the kitchen, even right. though the kids went to bed. Yeah, even though when they were outside, they followed them in the house. Yeah. So followed them around outside anyway. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> Mrs. Hamilton calls Mrs. Pigglewiggle and told her what had happened and asked her if she thought the children were cured. And Mrs. Pigglewiggle said that she was sure they were cured, but that the important thing was for Mrs. Hamilton never to tell the children about the magic medicine in case she ever had to use it again. So they should just believe that that is what will happen forever. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) And then I guess they're never going to tell their friends what happened because Their friend's immediate response would be, that doesn't happen to me when I do it. Okay, so Monday afternoon, Wendy comes home from school and says that everyone in school liked her and she liked everybody. I wrote that that was a quick turnaround for a nine-year-old girl. Very quick. Mm -hmm. What happened to Timmy? It doesn't say. (laughs) Did he He fall earlier or something? Okay, so it says, Timmy didn't say anything. He had a black eye and a skinned nose, but he didn't say a word. It's like he got in a fight, but instead of going home and tattling on the bully that picked on him or whatever, he's not going to tattle. I guess. That's what I got from it. Would have been nice for them to say that. (laughs) 
Yes. Instead of just saying he showed up with a black eye and a skin nose. But I think you're right because it says, but he didn't say a word, you know, like, but he didn't tell. He and Wendy laughed and talked as they drank their cocoa, but they kept their eyes on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. I guess just in case they accidentally tattle. Mm -hmm. Just a little too fresh in their memories to not glance at the ceiling. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, they're cured. Just took a weekend. No more tattling. That is the thing about Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's cures is they are (laughs) swift. They're swift, but are they long lasting? (laughs) I just feel like kids would, and I'm probably taking this all too literally, (laughs) but the thought you said is I get it. You know, that's not funny anymore. So why would they do it? But tattletale, I mean, they're going to tattle again. And then what are they going to do when the smoke doesn't come? Right. But it'll start off like, oh, shoot. And then they're like, oh. Nothing's it there. And then happen. they're going to. Or they'll just start doing it because it's so natural. I mean, for kids who have been tattling this much, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like they can just stop themselves immediately. Uh huh. Just because there's a black smoke coming out of their mouth. Yeah. All right. That is true. So that's one more cure for Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. That's a success. Indeed. All right. Okay. We're going to move on to the bad table manners cure. This was. Definitely my favorite one that I read so yeah. far in the whole. I don't know. That parrot one was pretty good. Maybe I just like it when there's an animal involved, but <laughs> I thought this one was super cute. Okay. We only have one child in this one, which makes it a little easier to keep track, named yeah. Christopher Brown, who is 10 years old. Christopher has bad table manners. And Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's cure is to loan him Lester the pig who demonstrates beautiful table manners. Okay, (laughs) that's it. All right. Everyone knows what bad table manners are, right? (laughs) So I don't think we have to talk a lot about him. Basically, he ate just like an animal, a starving wild animal. (laughs) Just imagine that, people. Yes. Mr. and Mrs. Brown had gradually become used to his table manners. Which, again, this is a problem that parents should be able to solve. Yes. Starting. You don't get to eat. Yeah. (laughs) Starting when they're in their high chairs. Yeah. Solids. Yes. And if it all of a sudden shows up like it does in these books, then you don't get to eat if you can't eat appropriately. It's a very easy solution. Yeah, I don't think they really have become used to it because they eat in the dining room and they make him eat in the kitchen. They're worried (laughs) about him getting invited to any kind of birthday party or sleepover or... I guess it says they're used to it. Yeah. So that's not really the same thing as being over it, right? That's true. Yes. But still, the way they had gotten used to it is to separate themselves from him. I just wrote issues so that he chewed with his mouth open, smacked his lips, sculpted. Where is he learning all of this, too? Right? I was wondering if there anything that he does that the author is saying is really bad manners that we don't think would be a bad manners today. Oh, so of these so, things? Yeah, mm-hmm. the one that I kind of thought was, it says he buttered whole slices of bread on his hand. Yeah, I saw that too. And I thought, well, that's what I do. What are you supposed to do? And is that I guess bad manners? And keep it on your plate. But still, I also thought the, he washed food down with milk. I mean, isn't that what you do when you're getting? Right. You're supposed to take a small enough bite that you can chew and swallow and have a sip of milk, maybe? That doesn't seem reasonable. 
I mean, I wash stuff down with water. Mm-hmm. Me too. Let's see. <laughs> he talked while he was chewing, and then it says he gestured with a fork full of food so that bits of food shot around the room like stones from a slingshot. Who's is he, he talking eating? to? He's eating yeah. in the kitchen by himself. <laughs> oh, no. did you ever play with your food in any kind of a way? Not really. The only thing I can think of, and I don't know if it's playing with your food or if it's just how I like to eat it. But when I was young and then we would have pizza, uh-huh. I would scrape the top off and then that would be in a little pile. Yeah. And then I'd eat the crust. And then I'd eat the toppings. Oh, interesting. Especially for like those Totino's party pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember doing that. I guess you could say that's playing with food. I just preferred it that way. We had very, very strict rules mm-hmm. on our table manners. Yeah, we knew. <laughs> Which I have to say, at the time, it was probably fine. Again, when I go to my friend's houses to eat, they were always staring at me oddly. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't remember it being an option to fling your fork <laughs> with mashed potatoes on it. or We didn't have rules or anything, but I still just didn't. I mean, I, I yeah. didn't really have any other siblings my age. So maybe if I had someone to riff off of, it would have gone differently, but it never mm-hmm. crossed my mind to mess around with no. it. Well, and why would you play with your food? Why wouldn't you just eat your food and then go play with your toys <laughs> or read a book? Like I always couldn't wait to be done with dinner so I could go do something else. I wouldn't want to prolong it. Good point. But maybe he's bored. I don't know. So Mrs. Brown to herself says there should be a school for table manners and attendance should be compulsory. I wrote it's called parenting. That's the name (laughs) of the class. We're talking basic table manners. True. This is someone eating like a wolf. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Mrs. Thompson calls. She's having a party for some of Dick's friends. And to Mrs. Brown's horror, she invites. Christopher to the party. <laughs> and there's also going to be grown-ups there. Mm-hmm. It says Mrs. Brown thanked Mrs. Thompson, said that she knew Christopher would be delighted, and then went out and made herself a big pot of black coffee. Her <laughs> hands shook when she poured the first cup. Twelve grown-ups and Mrs. Thompson's famous brother Charles all sitting at the table with Christopher. She couldn't even bear to think about it. Or what will I do? What will I do? And I said, say no. Say he can't go. <laughs> say he suddenly got sick. This doesn't have to be a problem for a big pot of coffee. To it's solve. her worst nightmare coming true. Mm-hmm. But it does give her the impetus to do something about it at last. That's true. What about at school? Doesn't he get teased at school? He has to eat lunch there. Right? Or is it summer? <laughs> It doesn't say the, I don't think we know the season in this one. Well, still, if it's bad table manners and he's what, 10 and he's had them for this long, Mm -hmm. I can't believe kids wouldn't already be teasing him at school that enough that he would stop unless they just think it's funny. She decides she's just going to give Christopher a good talking to, and he would be very nice and pleasant and agree to everything she said and really try to have better manners for a meal or two. But then he'd go back to the bad manners. So now she's worried. I guess what she should do is immediately before the party, give him this good talking to. Right. And then it would carry over. Yeah. 
She no. calls Mrs. Penzel, which is interesting. P-E-N-Z-I-L. <laughs> no, Penzel. She says, I'm not going to beat her on the bush. And she lays it out there. And she asks about Percy, Pamela, and Potter, <laughs> which are the three Penzel kids. Hello, I'm Potter Penzel. <laughs> <laughs> Pleased to meet you. Mrs. Penzel says, why I never noticed Mrs. Brown. You see, Percy, Pamela, and Potter have always been allowed to make their own decisions about everything. As soon as they were born, we gave them free reign. And actually, I haven't seen them eat for several years. <laughs> I put neglect all in capitals. <laughs> and then it talks about how they eat. Potter eats nothing but peanut butter and poppy seeds, and he always eats at night. He says that eating during the day is much too common a practice and should be stopped. Pamela eats nothing but weenies and bananas. She does her own shopping and peels (laughs) the bananas herself, which I think is very progressive for a child of seven years. (laughs) (laughs) What now? She's going to the store? Okay. (laughs) And then let's see, Percy eats anything. He is most cooperative. Just give him cookies, candy, marshmallows, cake, ice cream, and rip beer. And you don't have to worry about Percy. He's a fine boy. That is just, I can see his future down the road. Right. This family is a family of eating disorders. They're going to be in some sad space in about five years. If Pamela doesn't get kidnapped at the grocery store when she's seven, (laughs) doing her own shopping. Okay. Then she calls Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. I wanted this to be finished off because Mrs. Penzel says, Mr. Penzel never eats anything but kippered salmon and grape nuts. And I never eat. And then Mrs. Brown hung up on her. And I was like, I kind of want to (laughs) know. What What she never, either that she never eats or Uh that she never eats a certain thing. Yes. I wanted her to be able to finish her sentence about herself. (laughs) Yeah. I think Mrs. Brown had had it with these crazy (laughs) people. They seem to have a problem with manners. A different kind of problem. There, a different kind of problem. I was kind of surprised that grape nuts with a capital G was around back in the forties. Oh, they've been around for a long time. Yeah, that documentary on the food that made America. Yeah, grape nuts are. That was a post cereal. Was one of the yeah. first cereals. One of the first things. Yeah, interesting. Yep. I love grape nuts. They are good. They're really, really good. Okay, let's see. Then she calls Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. So this time she's actually calling her, but nobody tells her to call her. She just decides these people are whack. These people have more problems than I do. I'll just call Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle has a great cure. She's got a pig named Lester who has beautiful manners. He's very quiet. He sleeps in the basement and nobody in the neighborhood needs to know about him. I don't know why it's a problem to have a pig in your house. It seems like there's all kinds of weird stuff going on in this town. Well, she says, not a pig. I have no place to keep a pig. And this is a restricted neighborhood. Didn't someone just ride a pony to their house (laughs) in this neighborhood? Yeah, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. (laughs) But no pigs. No No pigs. pigs. How come Lester can live with Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, but not with the Browns? Right. (laughs) I guess she doesn't live in a homeowners association. (laughs) Yeah. Just outside of that. The Browns live in a gated community (laughs) in the town. Okay. And he doesn't need a trough because he's got these beautiful table manners. Mm -hmm. 
she says that he needs to eat at the kitchen table with Christopher and that Lester will teach Christopher how to eat. Mrs. Brown isn't buying it, but she agrees to try. And all she has to do for him is put a blanket on the basement floor so he can sleep near the furnace. But leave the door open so he can go out for his exercise after dark and when the neighbors are asleep. What kind of exercise do you suppose Lester does? I don't know. I imagine him going on a a dignified walk, but... (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, me too. Lester is very fond of coffee, which explains why he's up at night exercising, I guess, (laughs) because he drinks as many as five cups at a meal. And I thought it was interesting that she lets Mrs. Brown know that Lester takes cream and sugar (laughs) coffee. (laughs) She gets the table all set up for Lester to come. And at exactly 3.30, there was a knock at the back door and there stood Christopher, who usually never knocked, and a large white pig. Why would he have knocked at his own house anyway? Right. Mrs. Brown's got Coco waiting. Lester walked daintily into the kitchen, closed the door carefully behind him, climbed up and sat down across the table from Christopher. And then Christopher is jamming his mouthful of cookies and washing it down with Coco, which we know you can't wash your food down. (laughs) Lester looked at him, then took one cookie carefully between the split in his front hoof and ate it very slowly with tiny bites. He picked his cocoa cup up with his hoof and after one small sip, put it carefully down while he patted his snout with his napkin. I loved that description. I do. It was awesome. Speaking of, (laughs) oddly enough, no opposable (laughs) thumbs that we were talking about earlier. (laughs) Yes. How is he picking up? I don't. (laughs) It says he's using the split in his front hoof. For the cookie, I guess. Well, he could jam the little... Coffee cup holder, right? The handle, I mean. All right. I'll accept it. Wow. All right. And then (laughs) Christopher is eating with his mouth open and Lester reaches across the table and gently closes it. (laughs) (laughs) Then he wiped the whipped cream off his upper lip and the crumbs off his chin. Christopher is delighted. Lester put his hoofs across his lips and pointed to Christopher's full cheeks to indicate no talking with a full mouth. Christopher is in love with Lester. He doesn't even notice that his manners are being corrected. Right. Fun if it's a pig helping you. (laughs) I love the illustration, too. This is, yeah, definitely my fave. Oh, so cute. I know. He's so cute. Look, he's smiling. Lester's smiling. I pictured him all pink, too. I didn't picture him with spots. And they actually said he was a large white pig. Yeah. Is he dirty? (laughs) (laughs) Never. Looks like a black and white cow. <laughs> yeah, he does. So I thought it was interesting that it usually takes Christopher like three and a quarter minutes to eat. And this day, a half an hour later, he was still yeah. <laughs> only halfway through, which is very yeah, slow. Yeah, that's very slow. Well, I guess if Lester's constantly putting his hand over his mouth. Then... <laughs> so Lester now is taking a long time to cut this apple mm-hmm. up. He takes the core out and hands him the plate with the apple slices and Christopher puts a whole section in his mouth but Lester shook his head reached over and took one of the sections and took a very small bite (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't think Lester would be very happy with my table manners and I think (laughs) I have decent table manners Uh he seems a little too meticulous for me a little little too the other way Mm -hmm. 
Lester goes downstairs to check out his bed and he has to straighten out wrinkles in the guest room blankets. <laughs> she makes a big show out of this blanket being blue and that it's from the guest room. <laughs> just very specific. Just a blanket. <laughs> it's Whatever. just a blanket, but she mentioned several times that it's it was from the guest room and that it's blue. She, she does, yes. Okay, then they play a little bit of ball, Lester and Chris. Mr. Brown was most skeptical about Lester being able to teach Christopher's table manners. Really? That doesn't, that's so irrational that he would be skeptical. Rude about it, though. Yeah, he's really annoying. He's not very nice about Lester. No, he goes down the basement stairs whistling who's afraid of the big bad wolf. Uh huh. And he's looking for him. He sees the blanket, which to his defense, he didn't know that was Lester's bed. Right. He stuffed it in the laundry chute, which I thought was interesting given our conversations about laundry chutes. That and you the wouldn't fact that he's shove in, it in. He's, he's in the basement. In basement, <laughs> like where the yeah. chute ends, right? <laughs> yes. He would have to shove it up. <laughs> right. In the laundry chute. Why would he do that anyway? They should have said like tossed it in the laundry basket or something. Yeah. Or on placed it on top of the washing machine or something. Then he starts oinking to call like he, for Lester. Right. I don't Maybe know. you let your wife and son who have met the pig introduce. Right. <laughs> exactly. That would be the polite thing. He closes the door and locks it. Afraid of burglars. Mm-hmm. Then he sees Lester. Lying on the hearth rug in front of a crackling fire, apparently listening to the radio. <laughs> and then he again calls to him, oink, oink, oink. And I mean, I guess because he's just coming into the situation and he hasn't seen how Lester's behaved. It makes it seem very rude, but he doesn't really know what Lester can do at this I point. I guess so. Yeah. Until he starts playing ball with Lester. <laughs> he realizes Lester is a very, very talented pig. Yeah. And Lester's a little offended. Mm-hmm. As he should be. He's very distinguished. Looking coldly at Mr. Brown. <laughs> <sighs> they play three-cornered catch, which I didn't know was what that was called. But that's a good name for it. Lester shows Christopher how to wash up. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he doesn't know how to wash himself. <laughs> Lester takes the hairbrush and dampens it and smooths out the bristles on his neck and around his ears. Christopher watches and does the same thing. And Mrs. Brown, forgetting about Lester, <laughs> serves spare ribs for dinner. That is awful. It's terrible. And poor Lester eats a bite. And Just... it's Christopher that has to point it out to the mom. Yeah. It's like you go somewhere for dinner and they serve you a cumin. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy. But Lester, as a polite person would do, if you don't like one thing that's being served, you eat the other things Mm -hmm. and fill up on that. And I'm sorry, applesauce cake sounds very good. (laughs) Dressing, sweet potatoes, string beans. Sounds like you had a good dinner. Salad, two dishes of peaches, two pieces of applesauce cake. And four cups of coffee. And Christopher's eating a little more quietly. Mm -hmm. And then Lester goes to look for his bed and it wasn't there. So he went upstairs to ask mrs brown where it was i was i underlined that when i read it because i was yeah. like <laughs> talk now sign language apparently he had qu- 
quite a quite a time with the basement door, which stuck. <laughs> he trotted through the kitchen and dining room and then stood politely at the living room door. Mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Brown are playing cribbage and don't notice him right away. <laughs> Lester is able to convey that the blanket needs to be put back where it belongs. Mm-hmm. Again, the blue guest room blanket. Right. <laughs> Mr. Brown, looking very embarrassed, went and got it out of the laundry chute. Out of the chute. I don't get it. I don't know what they mean by a laundry chute in this book. A chute indicates that it's coming down or being propelled forward. It's not. Yeah. And why is he embarrassed? He didn't know that's why the blanket was on the floor. He thought he was cleaning up. Yeah. They didn't tell him that's what it was for. That is true. Mrs. Brown says, I've never in my life seen such a smart animal. He seems almost human. And then Lester looks at her quizzically. Now you're all ready to go to bed. So I guess we'll go upstairs, said Mr. Brown. The door is shut. So he's got to tell them that he needs the basement door open so he can do his exercising. Mrs. Mm -hmm. Brown says, well, of course, that's the trouble. Mrs. Pigglewiggle told me to be sure and leave the basement door open a crack so Lester can go out in the night and get his exercise. She unlatched the door and opened it one inch. But he was able to open the basement door that went up into the kitchen. Why can't he open this door? Also thinking that, yes. So the next morning, Mrs. Brown is cooking bacon. Didn't she she notice about the spare ribs not being touched the night before? But she says, why, Chris, I thought I had a delicious dinner last night. Spare ribs have always been one of your favorite foods. She still doesn't get it. He didn't tell her the night before, so she didn't know. I said, maybe she noticed when she did the dishes that Lester still had the ribs on his plate, but he'd eaten everything else. And then she realizes it and says, do you suppose Lester noticed? (laughs) Or did he eat pig? Oh, I said, I know I wrote, or is he a cannibal? Because that's (laughs) the equivalent would be. Okay, so she gets rid of the bacon, right? Mm -hmm. And when Lester comes upstairs a few minutes later, the kitchen smelled only of oatmeal and buttered toast. Okay, I'm sorry. Someone makes bacon in this house. It smells (laughs) like bacon for at least four hours. She opened the back door and shooed the bacon Mm. smoke out with her apron. Doesn't work like that. Mrs. Brown. And and daddy ate it in the room next door. <laughs> <laughs> he still was like, I want the bacon. So. Right. <laughs> they talk about how he eats the oatmeal. Everything's great. Yes. Chris even thinks it tastes much better when he slows down. Yes. He can actually taste it. Mm-hmm. And what's wrong with scraping your dish? I don't think that's impolite. I mean, licking your plate is one thing, but just scraping to get all of it up, I think is a sign that you really enjoyed your meal. Yeah. And it's oatmeal in a bowl. You kind of want to do that at the bottom. He must break his toast into small pieces. So now it's time for Dick Thompson's party. And not only does it go well, but Mrs. Thompson calls and says that she just had to call Mrs. Brown and tell her that in all her life, she'd never seen such a beautifully behaved boy as Christopher. And then Mrs. Pigglewiggle calls and says, "We, I want Lester back. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, there are a lot of kids in this town that don't have the best manners. Apparently. 
you know who needs it? Darcy, Bard, and Allison. Oh, right. That's why I have <laughs> the thought you setters <laughs> yeah. down with an arrow. Right. Yep. Um, Boy, they didn't didn't take them long to fall into a different habit. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did mark that the night that Chris went to the party, Mr. and Mrs. Brown ate with Lester in the dining mm-hmm. room, and they had roast of lamb for dinner, and he ate three large helpings, Lester did. I was like, friend to pig. <laughs> I don't know. I just... Do pigs eat they other animals? They, yeah, I mean, I feel, feel like they uh, put I think pigs will eat anything you put in there. Hmm. At least Lester drew the but, line at cannibalism and wouldn't go there. Yes, he did not take that step over to the other side of the darkness or whatever okay. you want to call it. <laughs> right, the dark side. Okay, that's it. Mrs. Brown's very sad to see Lester go, but I think she's happy that he'll be able to help other people. She'll probably see him around town. Probably. You know, go visit him at the Burbanks. Do the Burbanks live in a restricted area as well? I mean, (laughs) we don't really know much about this town, including what it's called. That is true. I don't know. I guess they'll solve the problem the same way. He'll live in the basement and exercise at night. (laughs) Okay. I think we should stop there. We made it through three of the cures. Yeah. And which leaves us with four cures. We should be able to pound that out next time, I think. That sounds good. Because we had the one chapter that wasn't a cure. Right. So it's it'll be four and four. Yeah, I think we can get this into two parts. All right. So you ready for an ender? Yeah. Okay, we're done with Thanksgiving, but I have two little parties from my social kit. Mm-hmm. Number one, which is <laughs> games. That I was going to do last time, but we ran out of time. That are Thanksgiving based and highly inappropriate. Ooh. Yeah. Let's hear it. And then I have a, a little party. So the first one's called When I Was an Indian. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, fellows, for these lovely games. The formation is a circle. The chief is in the center. Directions. Song tune is to When I Was a Lassie which I am unfamiliar with. But the words of the song are, when I was an Indian, an Indian, an Indian, or when I was an Indian, an Indian was I. Twas this way and that way, and this way and that way. Oh, when I was an Indian, twas this way and that. Yes, Amy? Well, I do know a song about a lassie and a laddie that sounds like it might be a twist on that. Do you know that one? No. <laughs> it, it's what my mom used to sing it when she would push me on swings. At oh yeah. And, and it's um did you ever see a lassie, a lassie, a lassie? Did you yeah, ever exactly. see a lassie go this way and that? Go this way and that way, go this way and that way. Did you ever see a lassie go this way and that? And then you do the same it. with a laddie. But it's not exactly the same words, but I I can hear that it's the same in Oh yeah, it's from the, one yeah. It's the same so phrasing and rhythm. Okay. On first stanza, players sing and march or skip in a circle. As second stanza is sung, one in the center pantomimes the action and others imitate. At the close, the chief in the center points out another it and the game proceeds. It designates the action. Some suggestions are as follows. Shooting bow and arrow, scalping someone, preparing the deer meat, paddling a canoe, Etc. Well, oh, fellows, <laughs> <laughs> really nothing to say. I'm glad we gave the Wampanoags a lot of credit last time. Yes, indeed. 
because this is just insulting. But it's also something I seem to have to cover and then call it insulting. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) To prove the point that it's just so outrageous that it was ever done. But someone played that game. A group of people have played that game. (laughs) Yes, they have. And pretended to scalp someone or preparing the deer meat. I don't know what that would look like. Butchering it? I don't know. Okay. The other one is called scalping. Hmm. Let's talk more about that. (laughs) Materials. The chief should have a castanet to use in starting and stopping games. Castanets can be secured from the kitty band or a small drum might be used. So I'm getting the impression that in the church, there's something called a kitty band or, mm. you know, how you have musical instruments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why they have chosen castanets for scalping <laughs> has nothing to do with indigenous people, the castanets. No, as far as I know. No. The formation is a double circle with the same number of guests in each circle. Have the outside circle face clockwise and the inside circle counterclockwise. Okay. okay. So you're facing each other as you walk around the mm-hmm. circle. Yes. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when the chief claps, in quotes, with his castanets, the players start marching. They march until the chief claps again. Then they stop and engage in conversation with the nearest person in the other circle, inquiring such things as name, occupation, likes, dislikes, and so forth. Instead of simply asking the question, what is your name, etc., say, me, so-and-so, who you? (sighs) God, me from such and such a place, where you hail from. Use Indian lingo in the conversations after everyone is sufficiently acquainted with his tribal family, the chief leads them in the next game. I feel like this had to have been part of one of their Indian parties, Uh but I don't remember this. So maybe there's one that we've missed because there are a lot in that book we haven't done because there's that's the one where there's four each month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it sounds like this chief is going to be in charge for the whole party. <laughs> oh, what? what? I mean, no. this. I think this is probably the worst one we've done concerning this topic. Yeah, and the and the racist stereotypes. It's just terrible. Although it kind of harkens back to Trixie Belden and being on the plane when Mart says how. To Barbara, the flight attendant. Right. That book right there had so many problems with it. (laughs) But of the games, I think this one is the most insulting. Yes. And it's so fascinating that, honestly, at the time when it was generated, it was not considered offensive. It was funny. It was cute. It was clever. I like to think that some people recognize that it was offensive. Hope so. (laughs) (laughs) And I know people were a little more loose with the racist language, but this is pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, the 50s, it was only 
what, 16 years before I was born. It's not like it was the 1800s. I mean, just think of how, I mean, Cowboys and Indians, it was such a big theme for TV shows and movies and games. I guess. Toys, little boys dressing up like that. Did they talk like this, though? I think in the movies and in all the TV shows that the Indians were portrayed talking like that. And then. I guess. So this is just mimicking that. Yeah, probably. I was thinking, though, too, about Thanksgiving and how. It really should be a celebration of the indigenous people. I guess growing up, I thought it was always this coming together of the indigenous people and the pilgrims. And they sat down and had a feast together. And that was this coming together thing. Mm -hmm. And that made it look like the pilgrims were doing them a favor. Let's have those Indians over for a feast. Wouldn't that be nice? Right. Where the truth is they couldn't have had a feast without them because they're the ones who showed the pilgrims how to grow things and have crops and have food and not starve to death. Right. It's more of a thank you for getting our butts through the winter. Yeah, that's what it was. I don't know. I'm not surprised. But I think it would be nice if at least kids were told the truth about what really happened Mm -hmm. and how they helped them. It wasn't just about, oh, we won't kill you, which is, I think, what people view it as these nice Indians and they didn't even kill them. They came to dinner and everything was fine. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's really starting to bug me. It's making me frustrated. I feel like I shouldn't even do anything on Thanksgiving. I don't know. I'll just put it in the category of my heathen Christmas and be okay with it. (laughs) Right. Just another one of those things that I don't believe in, and I still celebrate the holiday and take what I like out of it, like Easter, Reese's peanut butter eggs and (laughs) cream eggs. Christmas, I just like the tree and the music, even the religious music I like. And I sing along, but I know I'm being a hypocrite. So I call it the heathen Christmas. It's okay. I think. I'm not hurting anyone, so. Absolutely. Okay, so now we're going to go to the Frankles, and it's from their book, 101 Best Party Games for Adults. And I picked this one because we've been talking off and on about these parties where the people are supposed to come dressed as children or like that's a suggestion for a costume is that Mm -hmm. someone comes dressed as a child. So they have something called a small fry party. Which encompasses these things that we've discussed. All right. The whole party is called Small Fry. (laughs) Well, it's a short party. It's only one page for the whole thing. Why act your age? A small fry party is an adequate substitute for the fountain of youth, which Ponce de Leon sought for years, only to come back older than he started. Wow. How did that happen? (laughs) No. I don't know that story, but I think I need to find out (laughs) what it's about because that doesn't make any sense. At a small fry party, instead of looking for your youth, you bring your childhood with you. Hmm. You arrive in the clothes you wore in the first grade of school (laughs) because we all fit into those. (laughs) And have them sitting around. Right. Or a reasonable facsimile thereof. 
I think they should have just said that, but okay. You may borrow your child's or nephew's clothes or any part of their outfits, even just a hat. You can even make or purchase a costume, the type that went out with Buster Brown. Okay, so that's what you're supposed to wear. The simple songs you will sing in chorus at the party will not tax even a monotone. You may sing Good Morning to You or kindergarten favorites like Little Birdie in the Tree, in the Tree, in the Tree. Is this that same <laughs> classy thing? <laughs> Little Birdie in the Tree, sing a song to me, tweet, 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 etc. To accompany these songs, ask your guests to raid their children's toy chests for toy pianos, sets of chimes, and other instruments to make up a small fry orchestra. Well, they have the little kitty stuff there already, don't they? Or is this a different person? I think, Amy, what you're referring to is the scalping game. The scalping game, yes. Of the fellows where they use the castanets. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've moved on to the Frankos. Hang on a second, though. <laughs> I forgot that that was a scalping game and it really was just an icebreaker where they talked in horrible Indian racial slurs, but there was nothing really scalpy about it, right? Am I? I No, there's there's nothing scalpy about it at all. In fact, that would have been a better name for the other game Mm, because at least they talk about pantomiming scalping someone. So that's not only a racist game, the title is extremely racist and has no bearing on the actual game itself. Right. right? Okay. Right. Okay. Well, okay. I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> that makes it even worse. Where was I? Oh, okay. So I'm not saying that word again. <laughs> okay. So you don't have the kitty band uh-huh. in this party. You yeah. have to bring your children's musical instruments. Got it. And then you can form this small fry orchestra and play along with the songs that you're singing. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. You can also introduce singing games like Farmer and the Dell, Ring Around the Rosie, and London Bridge is Falling Down. I feel like you would have to be on some sort of party drug for this party <laughs> to be a success. You'd have to be handing ecstasy out or something because... Adults, this is 101 party games for adults. They assume that they're parents because they're telling them wear your kids' clothes, raid your kids' toy boxes. I just can't picture a bunch of sober adults putting their arms up together and having people (laughs) walk under them for London Bridges falling down. No. (laughs) All right. Hard no. (laughs) Hard pass. For refreshments, you can stage a mock birthday party for any guest who is still able to blow out five candles at once. Exclamation mark. Haha, <laughs> joke. Serve ice cream and soda pop with straws. Have bubble gum for souvenirs. <laughs> what are the Frankels taking this time? Right? An old-fashioned spelling bee, crayon drawing, and finger painting would bring some classroom education into the party, but don't introduce too much education. Your guests, fearing report cards, might raise their hands and leave the room. Yeah, I might. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I would have made it that long. Okay, I have a picture I'm going to show you. Oh, okay. And I can tell you right now, if I walked into this party with these people, I would have turned around 
walked out and probably called the police to put them all on a 72 hour hold. Okay. What Are is you ready? Uh-huh. Wow. Is that guy <laughs> does that guy in the back with yep. a pipe in his mouth have a yep. diaper on? Yep. <laughs> He does. Where are their drinks? I feel like in the other hand, they should all be holding a martini glass <laughs> to or a make bong, it through this thing. Something. Wow. They, sh- they should be seated around a bong, passing it, <laughs> passing it around. Yeah. Every party that you talk about, if I don't see a picture, I picture in the church multipurpose room now. It's like every party is set there, no matter what it is. So I was picturing that, and I had a glimmer of like, maybe that would be fun with the finger painting and the crayon stuff. But again, like after, you know, three glasses of wine. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say with some alcohol on board, sure. I put pin the tail on the donkey and farmer in the dell and all kinds of stuff if I had (laughs) (laughs) some booze in me. But it says they're going to be drinking soda pop. Mm. Unless that means something different to the Frankles. I, (laughs) do we think anyone ever had this party? They had it really down in their imagination because that's a very detailed illustration. <laughs> Who did think- the illustrations for their book? Do they have someone separate from them? Uh, well, first I'm going to reword my question. Do you think anyone but the Frankles <laughs> ever had this party? I think yes, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the drawings are by Doug Anderson. Doug. Doug. What are you thinking, man? I just, there are no words. You have to post that picture. Okay. Make a note of that. (laughs) I have a list that's about 500 things long that I'm going to have to start weeding things out. Okay, people, get ready for a lot of postings from me. You're going to have to think (laughs) back. Well, do you want to do one more of those little short parties? Yeah. Is that all for that one? That's it. These are kind of cool because they're just one page party ideas. So I'm going to let you choose. Okay. Gay 90s party. We're not doing crime doesn't pay because I have a feeling that's going to be a detective one. (laughs) Hollywood talent party. Uh Uh-huh. Roaring 20s party. Auction box lunch party. Switcheroo. County fair. And ladies invited. I'll take auction box lunches, please. (laughs) Okay, here we go. To raise funds for your club or organization projects painlessly, try an auction lunch. Every guest brings a box lunch. It is generally a good idea to agree beforehand how elaborate or simple the lunch should be. Oh, I don't think so. I think people should just be able to bring it as extravagant or plain as they want and that's what's going to decide who wants what who's looking at the lunches anyway or are you auctioning off the lunches <laughs> that's what it is it's a lunch oh goodness i thought you were just gonna like sit and eat your boxed lunch that you brought <laughs> no okay let me read more amy and, and we'll clue you in on this Man, my I brain is just what. leaping ahead trying to figure it out yeah you've never heard of this obviously Box, I've been to many, school, many an auction, but not where we auctioned off yeah. lunches. This that is we kind of like a small town, old school picnic thing to do. Okay. Okay. You had heard, you have heard of it. It's nice. Yes. Oh, but okay. I, okay. Where were we? 
Each box should be gift wrapped as one factor at the auction will be the gaiety and originality of the wrapping. Mm. In looking for an auctioneer, remember that they are made, not born. (laughs) Anyone can serve. If you have more than 15 guests, you may need two or three auctioneers. Why? Yeah, why? (laughs) Each box is auctioned off at a limited fee or with Mars the Limit, whichever course has been agreed upon. That must be a Like sky's the limit? Yeah, sky's the limit. But for some reason they have Mars. Maybe that was a Mars is the limit. (laughs) But it is capitalized, so we know it means the planet. Mm -hmm. The only universal rule is that guests may not buy their own lunches. (laughs) That so reminds me of the office when they do the Secret Santa and Kevin gets his own name. And he's like, you're supposed to tell, but I didn't tell. And then he buys himself that foot bath massager thing. I like my own lunch, please. Each lunch should be a surprise, a pleasant surprise. So if you have packed a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, when turkey and prime ribs of beef have been declared the order of the day, you should leave your surprise at home. Huh? (laughs) They're trying to be funny. I know, but they're not funny. And so (laughs) I don't understand what they're saying. Okay. Pass the bicarb, I mean the salt, and keep your comments to yourself. That's the point, isn't it? To be like, what did you get? Oh my God, what's in yours? I think it's supposed to be like a conversation thing. Yeah. One variation of this, which makes a lot more sense, is in the olden days, of course. You could do it now, co-ed, but where a woman or a girl would pick a picnic lunch and then the boy would bid on it and then he would get the girls and then they would eat lunch together. Oh, yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, but I I don't know if they knew who they were bidding on. I think they did. I think Mm. they knew whose lunch it was and then Mm. that would be like an easy way to ask a girl to have lunch. I think that'd be super fun to do today. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Would you want to try another one? (laughs) You're so short. That's it for that one? That's it. All right. One more. Do you remember the titles? I do. Um, One more. Let's do Ladies Invited. Okay. Ladies Invited. Men, here's your big chance to get into the kitchen and reveal your culinary skills. Mm. Do they not get that chance? Every day when they walk into the kitchen in their own home, that's not right out of the kitchen with the apron (laughs) out, out now at this party, the ladies must take it easy and stay out of the kitchen while the men prepare the repast, anything from a midnight supper to a full course dinner. It's all a quote surprise unquote for the women. (laughs) The men prepare and serve everything without the fair sex, having an inkling of what they are going to get. I think there should be a lot of drinking at this party as well. Uh, Yeah. Because you're going to have to eat something that's probably not made by someone who knows how to cook. The men should have a special committee meeting, at least a phone consultation with the chairman to check on all the preparations. (laughs) Who's the chairman? The host? Oh, here. Oh, there's an example. Okay. In planning, Joe, who is always critical of his wife's salad, naturally has the chance to be the salad chef. What do you criticize for a salad? It doesn't. (laughs) Let's just keep reading. (laughs) 
Elmer, who has never really been happy with commonplace desserts such as pie, cake, and ice cream, has his supreme opportunity to coat scoops of spumoni with fine chopped coconut and serve it with hot chocolate sauce on slices of raspberry iced angel cake. Oh, that's very timely. Is that, is that supposed to be good? That does not <laughs> sound good. The hot dish specialists will have their chance to start off the supper with a spicy fish dish or a rear bit that's really a rabbit. That's not funny. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, though, the husbands shouldn't be the ones picking this, though, because they're probably not even really self-aware that they always criticize the lettuce or the dressing oh. or whatever. So the wives should be like, OK, mine's got to do the dessert, you know? I don't know. I feel like maybe these men do sit around talking about how horrible their wife's salads are <laughs> or my wife can't make a good dessert. Darn her plain old pies, cakes, cookies, and ice cream that she makes. <laughs> the homemade ice cream. Just so commonplace. Yeah. Or like they're at lunch. They bring leftovers to lunch. And boy, I wish my wife made roast beef that looks like that. You know, hers are burnt to a crisp or something. Yeah. But yes, I see what you're saying. And I also don't think the women should choose because I think it should be a surprise what they're going to get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, soup and salad are one thing, but when you just say, like, make a main dish, it could be anything. Yeah, true. All right. For comedy, because it's not funny enough already, get some blank menus from one of your town's better restaurants, because <laughs> they just have those lying around. Blank menus? That's what it says. And type in the bill of fare. Go heavy on the French terminology, such as ragout de boeuf, coquevin, pomme de terre, etc., and then don't serve anything that is on the menu. <laughs> Fool the girls. Go heavy on the French terminology or don't? It says go heavy on it. Because oh, you're, oh, oh. you're fooling the girls into thinking they're getting some fancy French thing. Okay. I heard it as don't go heavy on the French no, um, terminology. So that, then I got a little confused, but that is funny. Okay. <laughs> is it? <laughs> is Kinda. it though? Then after supper, when the kitchen is all cleaned up by the men... That's part of the agreement. Give the kitchen back to the ladies. Phew. Who wanted to eat anyway? What is that insinuating? <laughs> it's insinuating the food was so bad that oh, it was inedible. Got it. Hopefully I they believe. just kept topping off their little drinks and <laughs> didn't really matter. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, maybe we'll do this. Another time, because there were about seven or eight of these that you can just, right. we'll just do a few yeah. instead of doing a whole party of something else if we run out of cool. ideas or something. Okay, well, let's look at what we're going to be doing next episode. It's going to be chapter five, and it's called The Interrupters, which will be a good one, I think. Well, my book's falling apart already. That's let's get good. through it then. Yeah, I only got about... One more time through before it's in pieces. Okay. So read along with us. And until next time, be and.